As an operations pastor, I know how hard it is to hire the right people. I also know how hard it is to hire the right people in ministry. That's why I'm thankful for my friends at the Vanderblumen Search Group. They are the leading search firm for churches and faith-based organizations. Vanderblumen prayerfully comes alongside your team to guide you through the search process and bring you great candidates that fit your church's unique needs. Visit vanderblumen.com for more information. That's vander, B-L-O-E-M-E-N.com. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Happy Thursday. We hope things are great with you uh, this week at your church. We know that you've got a lot going on. Uh, We're honored that you would take some time out. Uh, There's lots of things you could be doing today. We're just privileged that you would put us in your ears uh, and listen to today's conversation. Super excited to have Mike Bonham with us. He's uh, an author, speaker, church leader, um, you know, has wrote a book that you've probably heard of before. If you haven't, we're going to dig into a little bit today called Leading from the Second Chair. He served as an executive pastor, which I always love, love interacting with executive pastors. Uh, Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Rich. It's great to be here and uh, be a part of it. Oh, I'm so glad that you've uh, you know taken some time. You actually, for a while, uh, you were uh, a manager at McKinsey and Company as well. We were just talking about this before we started. I'm not, that's a rare bird. I, have not, I don't think I've ran into any other church leaders that worked for the management consulting firm McKinsey. I'm, there probably are some somewhere. I'm, I'm not sure that I've run. Actually, uh, one guy that uh, that I do know well that worked for McKinsey is Greg Hawkins, who is executive pastor at Willow Creek for a number of years. Yes, right. That's and that was so that gives you a sense. You know, not a lot. <laughs> Greg's a great guy. This is uh, fantastic. Why don't you give us kind of a bit of the Mike Bonham story? Kind of compress it down. Give us a sense of your background. Sure. Well, like you said, McKinsey. So I actually started off career as an engineer and then went back to school and got an MBA and and on to McKinsey. And, and that's really where I learned a lot about consulting uh, and found out that uh, through a series of, of, I think, God-ordained events that a lot of what I had learned about consulting was applicable in a church environment. So I started doing, over 20 years ago, some consulting mm-hmm. uh, organizational and strategy stuff with churches. Mm-hmm. And God opened some doors for me to write uh, and then ultimately opened the door for me to uh, go into this executive pastor role at uh, at the church that we were members of at the time. And so I served there for for 11 years and kind of the last chapter in, in that story, at least from a career standpoint, was stepping out of that role about uh, almost five years ago to do the consulting and coaching work that I had been doing sort of part-time to do that full-time. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Well, leading from the second chair, you know, the a lot of folks that are listening in um, are in that role. Um, they're, sure. they're, they're executive pastors or, you know, some role that is like that. And that's a, that's a unique challenge. What have been some of those, you know, as you kind of dealt with a lot of executive pastors around, right. um, what would you say some of those common tensions or common, you know, problems that, that come about when you want to really lead from that second chair? Yeah, you know, Rich, when, when Roger Patterson and I wrote this book on, on that subject, we framed it around uh, three things that we think are, are seem to be paradoxes for people in those second chair roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think and it's been 10 years since the book came out. I still hear people talking about the exact same tensions today. Right. Uh, the, the first one we call subordinate and leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that you're not in the first chair role. You know you're not the senior pastor. Uh, and so you know you're a subordinate. Mm-hmm. Uh and nobody likes that word, or a few people like that word, but, you know, I mean, we, we, we know we're not in the first chair. Right. And yet we're called to lead. We're called to use our gifts uh, 
and, and, and part of our gift is leadership. So what does it look like to, uh, to lead well but also be a, a loyal subordinate? Mm. Uh, the second tension that we talk about is uh, we call deep and wide. It's most uh, second chair folks that I know are expected to really get down into the details in, in, in at least some areas in the mm -hmm. church. And mm -hmm. you know, if the church is huge, they may not, you know, they may still have a lot of staff people who do much of the detail work. Uh, but, but you still have to get into some of those details. That's deep. And yet, to lead well in the second chair, you have to see the big picture. You mm -hmm. have to be able to get up at the visionary level with your senior pastor and think uh, and think wide. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that, that's a that's a tension. The third one we call contentment and dreaming. Mm -hmm. um, how can I be content with where God has placed me today, even if that's not exactly where I think that I want to be long term, mm -hmm. um, and yet not give up on dreams about the future? Um, you know, I, I tell folks all the time, don't don't buy into the myth that uh, the senior pastor is the only one who's allowed to dream, because I think that is a myth. I think mm -hmm. we we are supposed to dream together about where God is leading our church. And dream and, and let God influence our dreams about where He's leading us personally. Very cool. Why don't we dig into each one of those? I think that'd be a great, sure. you know, it's a great framework there. Subordinate leader, I totally understand that, you know, the tension that's there. Um, you know, let's say there's a leader that's listening in today, maybe stressing, wrestling with that a little bit, you know, feeling that tension of like, gosh, I'm I'm just not sure. Um, you know, am I just supposed to say yes to everything that my <laughs> senior guy says or uh, you know, the person I'm I'm following? Help us flesh that out a little bit. In, uh, and I'll flesh it out with a, a chapter right from, mm. from my story when uh, I was first stepping into this role. I had um, I'd been in business, as I said, for a number of years, um, had had come to the church or, or had, had gone into the role of the church really on sort of this part-time interim basis. I was at a season where I was trying to figure out what's next in my life. Right. And uh, Just going to help out I, with a few things for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, help out with a few things, right? And, <laughs> and so after about nine months, I, I really sensed that God might be leading me to uh, to stay in that role. And of course, that's churches and the senior pastors prerogative to say yes or no. Yes. So I sat down with, with uh, Barry Landrum, who was our senior pastor at the time, and, and we started talking about it. And, uh, and I said, Here's one thing that I know about me, and I won't be successful in this role. I won't be. I won't be able to thrive in this role if we can't. If we can't agree on this, is it going to be okay for me to push back on you? Is it going to be okay mm -hmm. for me to disagree and challenge at times? Mm -hmm. And what he said was really helpful to me. He said, "Mike, not only said okay, I need that. Mm -hmm. I, I need someone." But but as, as the conversation unfolded, what we talked about was how do you do that in a way that's respectful? Right. How do you do that in a way that 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 still honors his leadership. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I felt enormous freedom with Barry mm -hmm. to challenge and to disagree, but mostly behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. You know, most of what we worked out was was in, in private or in very small meetings because that's the way I could do it respectfully. Mm -hmm. And once we walked out with those, you know, to, to the larger audience, I was going to get behind him. Yeah, that's, that's critical. I think, you know, as someone who's led in that second chair, leads in that second chair, I think it's super important, you need to listen in on this, that... A part of our job is to be publicly loyal to our, uh, you know, to our lead pastors, to our, you know, senior pastors, to ensure that they see that we, we're going to take bullets for them. We're going to, you know, help. That, then that ultimately, when you're publicly loyal, that does create an environment when you're behind the closed door to say, you know, I just don't understand why we're going in this direction or help me think this through more or I, you know, I think we need to go this way, um, you know, to actually help you lead, um, you know, in, in your organization. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, you know, one of the things we've talked a lot about uh, in the book and in coaching that I do is if, if you're not right in your relationship with your senior pastor, it doesn't matter how right you are on an issue. Mm, so true. 
Yeah, yeah. you, you got to get that relationship right first. And and if they are, if you're seen as doing something that is disloyal, that is in, in perceived as undermining them, you're wrong on the relationship, mm -hmm. and and then you you quickly lose. Uh, the ability to lead well in that second chair position. Yeah, it seems like I would think of these three, this this ish, initial issue of subordinate leader is really where the tinder is for these relationships to blow up, right? They, if, if things are going to go sideways, it's going to be around this particular issue. And unfortunately, you know, I've seen that where, you know, kind of, um, you know, the executive senior, the executive pastor, senior pastor, lead pastor, whatever you call them, those relationships really can can come apart and they really are around these issues. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, on the deep and wide issue, you know, help us wrestle through that. So, you know, the idea that, um, you know, there are a few areas that we're probably going to have to drive deep in. What are those areas that you're seeing are pretty common among executive pastors to drive deep in into? You know, I'm convinced I'm, I'm, I'm going to avoid the question. A little bit, Rich. <laughs> that's fine. It's, it's an election year. You can do that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, I'm convinced that there's more uh, differences in executive pastor or second chair job descriptions than almost any other job mm -hmm. description in the church. Mm -hmm. And so to say there's a common issue where everybody has to be deep, you know, I wouldn't be true to what I really believe. I mean, right. they they really are all over the map. Mm -hmm. um, having said that, um, you know, s staff kind of personnel issues. Most executive pastors have a pretty broad portfolio related to staff, mm -hmm. uh, and so knowing what's working, what's not working. You know, you don't have to be an HR expert, but you better have good systems. And, and if, if you're not directly making it happen, overseeing to make sure that it's, that it's working well, mm -hmm. um, especially in a, in a large church environment. Mm -hmm. Some executive pastors I know uh, need to be really deep on the financial side of things. Some don't touch the finances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, if, but if, the, if the financial side, the business side of the church is part of your scope of responsibilities, uh, knowing that and knowing that really well is another area where you have to be deep. Uh, you can't you can't just say, oh, you know, on on the on on the budget, I you know, we're kind of within ten or twenty percent of being right on this. It's like you know, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> That's not going to work. You can yeah. only do that for one cycle and then you're done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. You know, the there's an interesting uh, tension here. I'd love you to help me understand this. A lot of times, you know, organizations to grow, churches to grow, have to be about replicating leaders, right? Um, you have yep. to be finding ways to, um, you know, replicate at every level, you know, staff, volunteers, leaders. Um, there, there can be a tendency as you climb up or climb down, whichever that, you know, you call that, Right. you know, ladder, that there actually becomes less and less replication. So the kind of ultimate example is a lot of times the lead person in the church, they're the teacher, you know, they're teaching 30 times a year, 40 times a year. Um, and they're not really doing anything to replicate other teachers around them. How are, you know, how should we be thinking about replicating even at this level as an executive pastor when a lot of the things we do, frankly, you know, we don't want to necessarily just hand off to someone else. It's not like, you know, say I'm a small group leader or even, you know, I'm in student ministry or some other area. How should we be thinking about that? I think a couple of things, Rich. One is, um, you know, I've seen churches that have gone from uh, a two-person executive team, senior pastor, executive pastor, or lead pastor, executive pastor, uh, to adding another person to the team. That's not exactly replication. I mean, that's really dividing the executive pastor job into two different parts, mm -hmm. uh, where one person might focus more on ministry and one more on, on the business side. Mm -hmm. But that is bringing somebody else in to allow that, which gives the church then the room, the capacity to continue to grow. Yep. Uh, the other is you can always be looking for those high potential leaders uh, and just bringing them, you know, give them a delegated task to them. You know, mm -hmm. say, look, I, um, you know, 
I know you're not the HR expert, but I'd really like you to help take a hard look at our uh, at our evaluation system. Yes. Um, and in doing so, you're gonna you're gonna to empower somebody mm-hmm. uh, as well as increase your capacity as an executive pastor. Mm-hmm. There seems to be a lot of executive pastors have the you know the other duties as assigned oh, yeah. category, right? There always yeah. seems to be, or the, a lot of times I'll hear executive pastors described as like, they'll rattle off their core function and then they'll be like, well, and then when anything comes up that's like different, like a project, that ends up being my responsibility. And that's a great area for, you know, to pull people in. Like, hey, if you're, Absolutely. you know, if you're going into something new at the church, hey, don't do it alone bring somebody else in um, who can help plug away that could be a volunteer or maybe you know another staff member hey you've got somebody you know in your student ministry who seems to be a great upcoming up and coming leader why not bring mm-hmm. them involved for six months say hey, how can we shift around what you're doing so you can get plugged in on this special project um, you know that we're, we're pushing away on yeah no that's that's great final yeah, category- one, one, one of the things we talk about in in that deep and wide is that executive pastors are often gap fillers and that's one yes. of the phrases we use right yeah, for, so for that for that, you know, all other duties is maybe assigned. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the, um, the the reality about gap filling is there's always lots of gaps yes. in any church, right. lots of things that need to be done, but that doesn't mean that the executive pastor has to do all of them by him or herself. Right, absolutely. Uh, and so I tell folks all the time, yeah, fill the gaps, but sometimes you fill it with other people. Sometimes you fill it not today, but tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, focus on the things that need to be done right now and that only you can do, and then figure out ways to hand off some of the rest of that. Absolutely. Um, the, you know, contentment dreaming kind of paradox there, uh, that I think is the most, I would say, pastoral part of what I, you know, you're, I shouldn't say most pastoral. It's a pastoral word um, that as we're wrestling with our, you know, our internal issues around, hey, you know, what, am I content where I'm at here? Are, are we content with where we're, we're going today with what's happening versus where's God calling us? How does that work out? Um, what are some of the ways that, you know, executive pastors are working out this last paradox? You know, I, I think that with we spend a lot of time, and, and I, I continue to spend a lot of time on that whole issue. What does it look like to be content with where I am right now? Mm-hmm. Um, to, it, it, a danger of contentment is I slip off into complacency. Yep. Uh, and that's not good. That's not what you want. That's not what God wants for your church or for your role. Mm-hmm. Um, or to, and, and, you know, the other danger is that you become just discontent. And then, mm-hmm. you know, then, then you're running into all sorts of, of friction. Mm-hmm. Um to me, one of the keys to contentment is trying to take a bigger picture look and say, what, you know, God doesn't operate on my timeline. Right. Right. And so God may be at work in ways that I can't see right now or on a timeline that I don't understand that, that's, that's a lot, you know, different than mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just being willing to kind of get up, at least for, the, for today, and say, I'm going to pray and trust that God's in this for me. I, the, the definition we use on contentment is that it's a choice. You really have to make a choice to be content, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to look at the glasses half full, not as half empty. It's a choice to stay and to grow and to excel right. for a se- for a season. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to stay here and I'm going to do my very best and I'm going to trust that even if there's some things I don't like, that God really is going to teach me and I'm going to be able to grow in that at least for this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then you know and then God may move me on beyond that. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, you know, the book came out, I can't believe it was 10 years ago, but it came came out 10 years ago, hugely influential book. Um, You know, what's kind of, what has evolved in your thinking kind of where, and are you, you know, pulling that together in any way? You know, what is, what is it kind of, you know, gone, you know, in in over the last 10 years as you've kind of thought through these issues? Yeah, well, as you can imagine, I've had lots of conversations uh, with second chair folks and and others uh, over those 10 years. And so I've just finished the manuscript for a new book called Thrive. Yeah, called Thriving in the Second Chair. And it's really, 
it's 10 years worth of conversations. It's everything that I've learned mm. uh, that I wish I had said in the first book or that I'd like to say now. Uh, just yeah, and, and really, the, the central idea is it's great to lead, uh, but too many second chairs that I run into, I would say, are surviving, but they're not really thriving. Mm. And, and one of the practices that you need to have in place if you're going to if you're going to really thrive in the second chair. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So you're hoping yeah. that'll, you know, any timeline on that that book coming out? Yeah, it com comes out in September. September, yeah, wow, so it, 2016. Yeah, That's amazing. Yeah, That's great. Yeah, so just a few months away. Yeah. Great. Well, so everybody, if you haven't read uh, the first book, you're going to want to get you know get that, pick that up, leading from the second chair. So then you can jump into you know thriving in the second chair. Um, you know when that comes out, uh, you know later this year. Mike, um, anything else you'd like to share before we pivot on to the rest of our episode? Gosh, I just you know, yeah, I, and I want to take one page out of the thriving book and yeah. and, all, and offer this for your audience. Um, one of the things that we that, that I've become deeply convinced of is that second chair leaders tend to be very isolated. Mm. Um, you know, they, they, they just tend to be alone. They're, they're surrounded by people all the time, hmm. and yet uh, they don't have anybody to really talk to about the, the challenges and the difficulties, the struggles they're having in the second chair. You, you know, sometimes the struggles are with the senior pastor. You try to talk with him, and, and, and yeah, well, we're still having to work through that. Who else do I talk to? Well, if I talk to the people who work for me, that's not appropriate. Right. If I go and try to talk to a key person in the church, they're often going to want to fix the problem for me. And right. you know, that's not really what I need. I, I need just somebody to help me process stuff through with. Mm -hmm. um, and usually that's outside. And yet we're so busy with our jobs. Mm -hmm. We don't have those people mm -hmm. on the outside that we can that we can work through. And, and so the, I, I think the, the thing I would say, like I said, this is one of the chapters in the new book is um, – is you've got to find some friends. You've got to find those uh, those helpful, safe outlets. Ideally, people who actually understand something about the unique challenges of being in the second chair, mm -hmm. and 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 develop those deep relationships with them, so that when you are hitting those hard times, because we all hit those hard times, uh, yet you you have a good place to, to work through that with. With yeah. This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Well, we're going to jump into the lightning round, that part of the episode where we ask a similar questions. Everybody that's on the show today has been a great conversation with Mike Bonham, a great uh, author, leader, consultant. Um, I've just been so glad to have you on the episode today. Sure. Uh, Mike, what is an online resource that you're using uh, that's helping you? You know, I, I know people, many of your um, audience have probably been using Evernote for a yes. while, but gosh, I love Evernote. Yes, it is so, so helpful to me. I, I started using it, about, I guess, about three or four years ago and, yeah. and just continues to be huge. I've also recently started experimenting a little bit with Time Trade. Yes. Uh, which, okay, you know, yeah, it's an online yeah. uh, scheduling, uh, and it just lets me send an email out and say, hey, I need to schedule a meeting with you, mm -hmm. and it links into my calendar and shows them what's available, and then they can just click, and it pops up onto my calendar in there. So that, that's a cool resource. Yeah, Time Trade's fantastic. I use it for scheduling these interviews um, and for a number of other, you know, kind of phone call things, and it's it's. Fan I literally just this week was talking to a pastor, church planner, who's like, oh, I want to meet with all these people. But I'm, I'm stuck in all this, like, I get, trying to schedule him is so much time. Obviously, his church planner doesn't have time to, like, hire an assistant, can't afford an assistant. Yeah. So I was like, well, use time trade. And you could literally say, okay, I'm going to be at this Starbucks on Wednesday nights. And I, I can book, you know, one-hour meetings. And you just send that out to people. And it'll tell the people where it is and, you know, book it in the calendar. That's uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Great, great tool. Uh, what's a book you've read in the last, I don't know, six months to a year that's had an impact on your thinking or ministry? Um, you know, two come to mind, Rich. Uh, well, it's really going to be three, but uh, but I ran across Brene Brown's uh, work uh, a couple of years ago. Like a lot of people, somebody right. said you got to watch his TED talk, and so right. I did and uh, read Daring Greatly, 
uh, right after that. And then mm-hmm. she's got a new book out called uh, Rising Strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really like, I think what she says, even though it's not written specifically for, you know, ministers and, and church leaders, but gosh, what she says about uh, being willing to lean into vulnerability uh, and, and dealing with shame and, and yeah, some of our emotional sure. issues is huge. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. A real, real different one. Um, I read Eric McTax's uh, book, Amazing Grace, about William Wilberforce. Mm-hmm. And I was just inspired at what God can do through one person who gets, mm-hmm. who's really committed to doing whatever God wants him to do and not mm-hmm. in it, you know, not so much about building, you know, my kingdom, but, mm-hmm. you know, God, how do you want to use me? And wow, what an inspirational story. Very cool. That's great. Great stuff. What's another ministry you're looking to? You obviously have exposure to a lot of churches across yeah. the country. Um, what is another ministry you're looking at that's inspiring you? Yeah, you know, I mean, a number come to mind, but one that one that popped into my mind is uh, Church of the Resurrection, mm-hmm. uh, United Methodist Church up in the Kansas City area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I, I like a lot of things about them, but a couple of things specifically, uh, you know, a lot of people who are not in mainline churches kind of look at the mainline denominations and say, nothing good is happening there at mm-hmm. all. Uh, boy, that is an amazing church. Right. Adam Hamilton and the, and the team there, do some really powerful ministry, and and just to see that in a mainline setting, I think is really encouraging. And I love that they have a heart for their own tribe, and mm-hmm. and so, you know, their big conference is how it's not limited to other Methodist church leaders, but it's really geared towards how can we take what we've learned mm-hmm. and specifically strengthen uh, a lot of uh, churches that are frankly struggling in in their own mainline context. So. Right. I really so, admire what they do there. Yeah, very cool. That's uh, very cool. You need to check them out. If you could get fifteen minutes with any leader alive today, uh, who would that be, and why? You know, the one who comes to mind immediately for me is Bill Hybels, mm, uh, and I'm, I'm sure others. Uh, you know, on this podcast have mentioned him, uh, and again, a lot of different reasons. But one of the things I particularly admire is his longevity. Mm, so true. Uh, I mean, you know, to it's it's one thing to build a great organization. It's it's another thing to build a great organization that lasts for a long period of time, yep. to stick with it through good times and bad times, yep. to, uh, to just stay really faithful in that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I, I just, I really admire that about him. And, you know, would love, would love to sit down with him, like you said, for 15 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And he's, de- he's definitely getting to that category of leader like Billy Graham, where you say, man, integrity, obviously, he's obviously had a huge integrity, but the, just the length of that integrity, you know, just continues to just build momentum, you know, for your respect for, um, you know, a guy like Hybels obviously had huge impact around the world for sure. Yeah. Um, well, I really appreciate you being on the show today. I know, you know, you're busy consulting, coaching, writing, uh, when you just want to kick back, you know, have some fun, uh, what do you do just for fun in life? Uh, I, I'm a runner. I've been a runner for all of my life. So oh, I, nice. that, that, yeah, I'm, I'm not one of these guys who says I have to go out and run. I'm, I'm more like I get to because it's it's actually fun and relaxing nice. and, cool. uh, for me. And, and I love the outdoors, which is incredibly ironic because I live right in the middle of Houston. Uh, <laughs> and so it's like humidity capital. And no, there aren't any great, you know, huge parks around us. But whenever yes. I can really get away from Houston, be outdoors, I like that. And of course, I love spending time with my family. Our our uh, kids are all adult or close to adult, and so whenever we can all be together is is, is really rewarding for me. Very cool. Well, Mike, I appreciate being on the show today. If people want to get in touch with you, learn more about you know your writing and that, how can they do that? Yeah, uh, easy thing is to go to, hop on my website, mikebahanam.com. Uh, just, yeah, first, first name, last name, dot com. Great. Thanks so much, Mike. Appreciate being yeah. here. Appreciate you being on the I show I was going to say, yeah, e- email is mike at mikebonham.com. Oh, okay, great. Perfect. Yeah, great. Yeah. Everybody can email Mike. That would be good. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Appreciate you on the show today. Hey, Rich. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it.
Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary. <laughs>